Thanks, Deji. Good morning, church. You are a shapely bunch, aren't you? That's a, you have to be careful how you say that. Like, you can't look at somebody and say, I like your shape. But for, but for five weeks, we've been saying exactly that, that, that God has shaped you. Oh, Remy's there. Okay, Remy, we like your shape. Yeah. Those of you who are joining us online, uh, your shape is an indication of how God has designed you with purpose and intent for the world. Shape, of course, is the acronym that stands for these five areas of God's investment in you. S, spiritual gifts. How has God deposited things into your life? When you came to Jesus, what are the marks of Jesus' presence in your life? And, and among the marks were these gifts that God gives his people for the building up of the body and for the work of the church. That's S, spiritual gifts. H is your heart. What are you passionate about? What is it that puts a bounce in your step, that that puts your shoulders back and gets your eyes brightened when you think about it? A is your abilities. We looked at this last week. The things that you're just naturally good at. You're so good at them, you don't even realize you're good at them. They come easily to you. But the rest of us, boy, it's a chore just getting that stuff done. P is the focus for today, personality, and next week we'll wrap up the series by looking at the complex of experiences, your relational experience, vocational, educational, the good stuff, the hard stuff, all of it together is part of what makes you, you. And if you've missed any one of the messages in the series, they're all available online. We hope that you'll uh, you'll take the opportunity to join and catch up. There are just a lot of implications for how we live our lives when we understand that God created our lives with a certain imprint, a design. And that design, it's kind of like reading the blueprints for your life. When you see how God has put you together, then you go, you've gone a long way towards understanding why he's put you together. This morning, we're going to look at personality, and we're going to use as a launching off pad uh, one of the probably most familiar passages in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Mark 12, verse 30. Again, Deji, thanks for reading it. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Again, context for that that tremendous verse, reiterating the great truth of the Old Testament as well, is a man comes up to Jesus and says, hey, could you... um, could you summarize the Bible for it's long? Like I want the cliff notes, the shorthand notes. Uh, and Jesus says, okay, well, if you don't get anything else out of it, get this and get this right. The number one purpose of life, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Of course, there's lots of other purposes in life, but they're all subordinate to that one. And when you get that one right, The other ones have a way of falling into the correct position. God did not put you on planet Earth just to go checking off a bunch of things on a long to-do list. He puts you here to learn what it's like to love with heart and soul and mind and strength. And and how do you do that? As you read a verse like that, uh, what's the difference between a love that's rooted in your heart and a love that's rooted in your soul? Or love that's driven by the mind versus a love that's driven by strength. Well, one of the ways of understanding that is by looking at it through the lens of personality. Now, to be clear, the great commandment is not 
primarily a teaching about personality. It's a, it's a teaching about God and about how we revere God and honor God. But, but one of the ways of unpacking it is through the lens of personality. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Speak to different personality types, different orientations to the world. Now, the reality is we all have little bits of our personality that fall in each of those areas. Heart areas, thought areas, soul areas, action areas. But chances are you are predisposed to one more than the other three. Meaning if you think of it like a quadrant, you live out of one quadrant more than you live out of the other ones. God wants you to love him and honor him, worship and serve him with all of your personality. That means honoring him through the lens of personality and not pretending to be somebody that you're not. In fact, I think there's a danger in this because people have in their heads kind of like a church personality. Like this is what church people are like. And so we try and adopt that personality, particularly when we're together. Whether it fits or not, sometimes it really doesn't fit. We try and do what we think people ought to do if they were people of faith, people of Christ. But that's not real. That doesn't honor God, doesn't honor you. God wants you to love and serve and, 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 and engage with the world based on the personality that he gave you. And there are heart people and soul people and mind people and strength people. Another way of saying that is that you, you honor God in your talking and in your feelings and in your thinking and in your doing. Talking, feeling, thinking, acting. Those are four quadrants, if you'd like, of your personality. And God has shaped you, you'll likely uh, discover, if you have not already, so that you are more naturally at home in one of those areas than in the other three. Heart people, uh, they're expressive. They're, they're good at talking. And we're going to explain the connection between heart and and words in just a second. But these tend to be verbal people. They're good at putting words together. They're great at, at facilita- facilitating discussion. It just, their heart is on their sleeve. What's in them comes out of them verbally. And then there's the soul people, soulful, engaged with their emotions, really in touch with how they're feeling. They tend to be more engaged with that, more aware of that than the rest of us. Mind people, of course, they live here. They're just... They're good at thinking this is the door through which they enter the world. More cognitive, maybe, than verbal or emotional. They're great at analyzing things. And then the, the last personality type are the doers. Strength people are good at doing. They're practical. They don't just want to think about it. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not share feelings about it. Let's get it done. Let's just let's step up to the, to the line and start doing the work. Now, You and I, we are a blend of all of these. There's a little bit of each of these in you. You're a combo. But you will tip and probably tip heavily to one of those four personality quadrants. And so we're going to look at maybe how God has designed you in this way and how that design could be used as you live out God's will and purpose in your life. He shaped you. You're shaped by God. What does it mean to live out of your shape? One of the most important things, and we've said it every week, uh, as it says in Romans 12, verse 9, is to live and to love from the center 
of who you are. Romans 12, verse 9. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't pretend to be somebody that you're not. Uh, Don't try and adopt a, a personality stereotype of what you think Jesus people ought to be like. You know the ones in worship, hands lifted, eyes exuberant, and voices belting out. And if that's you, because you are naturally the expressive person, then it fits. But if that's not you... You're just going to kind of feel like, what am I, am I holding up a TV? What am I, is this, what's, what's going on here? According to your personality. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a quick little survey. Everybody gets to participate in this one. Are you a talker, a feeler, a thinker, a doer? I want everybody to do this. If the person next to you doesn't vote, you vote for them. Okay. If you don't see them, you just point to them and raise your hand. Do that. How many of you would say, I'm pretty verbal? I am a talkative person. I'm a talker. Uh, okay. Anybody getting a jab in the ribs? That's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many of you would say, I'm not so much uh, of a talker, but, but I feel things deeply. Uh, I, I'm an emotional person. Yeah? We have a few of you. Bless you. <laughs> Somebody's getting their hand held up. Yeah, that's you. How many of you say, uh, forget those two. Uh, I'm, I'm a rational person. Uh, I, I, maybe not such a, an outwardly emotional person, but I, I just engage the world through my thoughts. How many of you are thinking people? Boy, we're pretty evenly divided, aren't we? Is there anybody left to do any work? Are there any doers in the room? <laughs> a few. <laughs> Is anybody didn't raise their hand at all? Because the person next to you is going to, okay, hear that. Let's look at the four personality types, and we'll spend a few minutes on each. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Why would this have anything to do with talking, with the talkers of the world? Well, here's the connection. Over and over again, the Bible connects your heart with your mouth. For instance, you have a problem with profanity. You know, just it slips out of you from time to time. That's not a problem with your mouth. That's a problem with your heart. You tend to be critical of people, sarcastic in your demeanor. That's not a problem with your mouth. That is a heart problem. You exaggerate things. You shade the truth. Maybe you're a preacher. But that's, that's not a problem with your mouth. That's a problem with your heart. And if you find that you're just saying the things that you know people want you to say, rather than what needs to be said in a moment... Again, not a problem of the mouth, problem with the heart. Does that make sense? There is this direct connection between your speech and the posture of your heart. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 5, verse 18, that the words come out, that come out of your mouth come from your heart. The heart-mouth connection. Heart people can't help but speak, right? They have trouble staying quiet. If it's in them, it's going to come out of them. That's, that's certainly true in worship, right? Psalm 16, verse 9, my mouth shouts his praise. Why? Because my heart is filled with joy. Lots of people have hearts filled with joy in worship, but the talkers, you know it, right? Because it just, it comes out. There's no, you ever worship standing next to a talker person? Wow, that, that is a live affair. Whatever your heart is filled with is going to come out of your mouth. If you're filled with anger, it will come out. If you're filled with joy, it's going to come out. There is this connection. Heart people have a hard time staying quiet. This is the hardest time of the Sunday morning, morning service for heart people. Because for like 30 minutes, 
They don't get to say anything. Oh, but maybe heart people get rest in this time. Psalm 145, I shouted the praise of God because my heart was filled. Whatever is in me comes out of me. And when your heart is filled, if you're a heart person, it just leaks out. It's going to get out of you. You've got to tell other people. Psalm 40, here's what David says. I think David must have been a heart person. I've not kept this good news hidden in my heart. Instead, I've talked about it. I've talked about your faithfulness and your saving power. I've told everyone, because that's what heart people do. I've told everyone of your unfailing love and faithfulness. Faithfulness. Heart people, they, they love to converse. They love to have, well, heart-to-heart conversations. If you're a talker, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What's the purpose of this personality, do you think, of talkers. <laughs> the world needs communication. The world needs good communication. We need people who are great communicators, who can lead discussion, who can verbalize what the rest of us feel. Have you ever had the experience of, of listening somebody to speak and they name an experience or an emotion or, or, or a thought, but they name it in such a way that that a light goes on, you say, yeah, that's exactly what I was feeling or exactly what happened. You said it. You gave me the words. I didn't have the words. We need good communicators. We need teachers who instruct and, and coaches who direct. We need comedians. We, we need preachers. We don't need preachers who are comedians, but we try. We need all of these kind of people with great verbal skills because they move the world forward. There is an enormous benefit to talkers. In fact, let's just mention a, a few of them. The benefits, I'm going to deal with the book of Proverbs, which, by the way, if you're a talker, Proverbs is your book. Oh, boy, the whole thing is, is about talking, about what to say and what not to say. It's good advice for your personality type. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, the words of the wise bring healing. How much we need those words. The right words at the right time can heal a broken heart. They restore and they cure and they encourage and develop. And, and I want to challenge those of you who had your hands up, you are talkers, to use your words. And as you use them, every time they're coming out, say, Lord, whatever is about to leave my mouth, and hopefully it goes through some filter before it does, but I, I, I pray that it will build someone up. I, I don't want to be tearing people down with my words. Have you noticed how much popular speech these days is destructive? It picks away at people and tears people down. My words are going to build people up. Proverbs 14, verse 3. Here's another dimension of it. The words of the wise, they keep people out of trouble. Ah, a wise word, timely spoken, can guide and direct and point us in the right direction. Proverbs 18, verse 4, a person's words can be a source of wisdom, deep as the ocean and fresh as the flowing stream. How would that be as a prayer? Before I speak, let my words, Lord, be like a fresh stream of water flowing through this conversation, flowing through a person's life. I want to bless people with my words. What might be the weaknesses or the challenges of this personality type? Any of you live with a talker? <laughs> so, so you know, right? You know. And you probably told them already. And they know. I mean, one of them is obvious. The more you talk, 
the greater the chance that your mouth is going to get you in trouble. And that's just statistics. That something is going to come out of there, and the minute it came out, you realize it should have stayed in. If you don't say as much, less possibility of messing up what you say. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, verse 19, (laughs) real sage advice, the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. (laughs) But talkers, we can't help it. It just comes just the same. Eventually, you are going to say the the right thing, but but probably you're also going to say the wrong thing if you are talking all the time. So here is God's word for talkers. The word is discretion. I mean, just if you can catch it for that moment between here and here, and just ask God, God, will you... Will you baptize this conversation before it leaves my lips? Will you anoint these words before they're spoken? And then the Bible offers one more word uh, to challenge, to incentivize and move those with this personality type forward in the world. Uh, Let me give it to you this way. In, In Proverbs 14, verse 23, here's a warning to talkers. You also have to act, get to work, and earn a living, because if you just sit around talking, you'll be poor. Pretty good advice. I mean, you, you have to move ahead. There comes a time when talking is not enough, when you move from discussion into action. What am I doing with my life? Am I just talking about it? Am I talking about the same things I was talking about three years ago? When am I going to stop talking and start doing? Every parent knows that sometimes it takes more than just words to move a child forward. Proverbs 29, 19. Sometimes words are not enough. Discipline is needed. Hmm. That's the first personality type. Let's think about those who, who enter the world through an emotional doorway. These are the feelers. They love God with their soul. What does that mean? The word soul is used so widely in the Bible, but much of the time it's used as a synonym for the repository of our emotions. In fact, the book of Psalms, the word soul is almost always used this way. And by the way, if you are a feeling person, Psalms is your book. I mean, front to back, there probably is not an emotion in the gamut of human experience that is not mentioned there in the Psalms. The reason you have emotions, we said this last week, is because you were created in the image of God, And God is an emotional God. Your emotions can be a reflection of him. Does God get angry? Scripture says he does. Does God get jealous? Scripture says he does. Does God love passionately, deeply? Scripture says that he does. The Bible talks about a downcast soul, a disturbed soul, a satisfied soul, yearning soul, troubled soul, joyful soul, bitter soul. It just goes on and on. You hear the emotion in all of those words. Soul people are so in touch with that part of who they are that they feel these things deeply, probably more deeply than some of the rest of us. And they can't hide it. I mean, they think they're hiding it, but we know. It just leaks out of them. We can see it in their posture, we can see it in their eyes, we can see it in their demeanor. And when it comes to worship, 
The only thing better than worshiping next to a talker is worshiping next to a feeler. The Bible says, and we already celebrated it this morning, Psalm 42, as a deer pants after streams of living water. Boy, they're just panting in worship. They're soaking up the experience, the emotion of being with God. These are the ones that when we sing together, this is the air I breathe, I'm desperate for you, Lord. I mean, it just, that connects with something deeply entrenched in who they are. The rest of us are thinking, yeah, I'm breathing air, I don't get it. I mean, what does God have to do with breathing? Uh, feelers, they've got their eyes closed and their hands raised, and they're just, they're, they're lingering in that moment. Why do we need feelers? Because the world needs more than just communication. The world needs compassion. God is a passionate, compassionate God. And and these people, they, they carry the torch for that part of God's personality. We need people in the world who care deeply. They care deeply about issues. They care deeply about the marginalized. They care about, about knowing God and helping others to know God. And they can empathize with those who are in pain. Feelers are people people. They're often popular because at some level, we know that they know what we're going through. You go to a talker and say, I'm having a bad day. And and then you just sit and listen as they go on for the next half hour about when they had a a bad day. And you go to a thinker and say, I'm having a bad day. And they'll analyze 30 ways, 30 reasons why you're having that bad day. If you go to a doer and say, I'm having a bad day, they'll tell you just to get up and do something about it. But if you go to a feeler and you have that sense that they understand, somebody on this planet gets me. They understand what I'm going through. Let me give you a great verse. This is Ephesians 4, verse 32. Again, this is counsel for, for all of us. But realize that this is your personality type. This is your primary disposition. You lead the charge here. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to each other. Be tenderhearted. Forgive one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. God says, I've been tenderhearted to you. I've been kind to you, loving and forgiving. I want you to, to be that way with others. Feelers, they're just better at it. Or at least they, they have a head start. Are there weaknesses? To this personality, of course. I mean, feelers tend to get caught up with their emotions more than the rest of us. And, and maybe they get tempted by them. If you're a feeler, maybe you've noticed that, that you can be manipulated through your emotions. You will tend to say, I want to do this because I feel like it, or I don't want to do this because I don't feel like it. You can be controlled just by this, this ocean of emotions. And here's the challenge. Feelings are not always the best or the most accurate guide to the truth. Just because you feel it, it doesn't make it right or good or true. You could be discouraged. You could feel like the whole world is going down the tubes. But maybe that's not true. You could feel like, Everything is bad in my life, and I am a worthless person, but that's absolutely not true. Feeling that way doesn't make it true. And sometimes 
the thing that you feel like doing isn't the right thing. And sometimes, even though you don't feel like doing it, the right thing would have been to go ahead and do it anyway. If the only time you do the right thing is when you feel like it, I'm pretty sure the devil is going to make absolutely sure that you never feel like doing anything. Here's another caution. I think that, that for feeling people, we are going to be tempted maybe more than others in the areas of emotion. If it feels so good and so right, how can it be wrong? <laughs> if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. So that was a song that must have been written, Roger, by a feeling person. And you just have to be aware. Everybody's tempted. Everybody has their temptations. Thinkers have temptations and doers and talkers. But feelers, I think we are especially prone to temptation in this area. You're going to be tempted for the rest of your life. And the Bible's clear about that, First Peter 2. Since your real home is in heaven, keep away from all of the evil pleasures of this world. They're not for you. They fight against your very soul. What maybe would be a, a word of counsel to the feelers? Well, here it is, and maybe you'll say this applies to all of us, and it does. But let me offer it especially if this is you. Make sure that you let God guide you. If your feelings are not a certain guide, make sure that you submit them to God's guidance. This is what the Bible says, Galatians 5.15. Don't be led by your emotions, but let the Spirit direct your lives. And then you will not satisfy. You won't give in to all of the desires of your human nature. We all have desires. Not all of them are good. You've got good ones, you've got bad ones. Don't give in to the bad ones just because you feel them. Allow God to guide you through this. Let's, um, let's move to personality type three, because I know our time is marching away. The thinkers. If talkers love God with their hearts and feelers with their souls, thinkers, they love God with their minds. You know, of course, you can love God with your intellect. You know, when you're doing intellectual activities, it can bring glory to God. God never said, I want you to take your brain out when you come to Jesus. Just leave it on the shelf. You can pick it up later. No, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with your mind. Science, as an endeavor, as a human endeavor, so much science was actually rooted in the church. as a desire to understand the grandeur and the glory of the world that God has made. People who are thinkers, when they become believers... They want to engage with the world. And they want to engage especially with this. They love to study this book. Because thinkers tend to, we tend to be bookish people to begin with. But then we get a hold of this and we realize, boy, answers to the profound, deep questions of life. Why am I here? Why was I created? What's the purpose of my life? Does it matter? Where do I come from? They love to study this book. And any of you in a small group with a thinking person, you know, just, they can't get enough of it. No one. No. Okay. All right. There we go. Yeah. Thinkers, you need to get into small groups. They need you there. Psalm 119, verse 97. This is a thinker's verse. How I love your law, the word of God. And I think about it all day long. 
Here at MCBC, we, we've got lots of different small groups. When we finish this shape study, you might want to consider joining up with one of the small groups that is engaged in dealing with God's Word, studying different books of the Bible, studying different topics that are relevant in your life, relationship, marriage, grief. On Sundays, starting in a couple of weeks, we're going to open up a whole new teaching series just digging into one of the great little books in the Bible. We're going to look at the book of Colossians. And we're going to work at that up until Easter and then enjoy Easter and then a little bit afterwards. But why do we need thinkers? I mean, we need the talkers. They do the communication thing, the feelers, the compassion thing. We need thinkers because the world needs consideration. We have complicated problems. We need thoughtful people engaged with them. We need people wrestling with the implications of what the rest of us are doing. We need people thinking through the tough problems and bringing real solutions to the table. We need scientists and philosophers and and writers and inventors and innovators and creators. And we absolutely, absolutely need them all in the family of God. The Bible tells us that we are to think about what God wants us to do in our own lives. It says this, Lamentations 3 verse 40, we should think about the way we are living and turn back to the Lord. Any weaknesses to this personality type? No. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, one is pride. Uh, and I say this because I, I sometimes feel it welling up in, in me. And then you have to just sort of smack this back down again. It's whenever you, whenever you realize that there are people who have not had the benefit that you've had of education or experience, or they just, they don't process things as quickly, you know, there is a tendency sometimes to look down on others. Oh, they're not sophisticated. They're not educated. They don't know what I know. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge makes people arrogant. Sometimes true. Love builds them up. Or if you learned the old King James, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If you're going to be smart, great. We need smart people. Use your smarts. But make sure that they are tempered with love. Remember this too. We're all ignorant. Some of us are just ignorant in different areas from the rest of us. The other problem for thinkers is maybe a little bit of indecision. Always studying, never acting. The Bible talks about them this way. 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, always studying, but never able to recognize the truth. And so the Bible gives a warning, just like it does to talkers and to feelers. And here's the warning. It says, practice humility. Proverbs 3, verse 7, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Practice humility. Remember, humility is always a choice. And it's not so much something that you pray for. Interestingly, the Bible never once says, ask God to humble you. What it does say is humble yourself in the sight of the Lord because humility is something that you do for yourself. Nobody else can do this for you. Yeah, they can humiliate you, but they cannot make you humble. Humility is something you do for yourself. In essence, humility is dependence on God. I'm depending on you. I'm trusting you. Even with all the gifts and talents and abilities you've given me, I'm trusting you in this. And then the other warning for thinkers is to practice what you know. If you know it, then do it. 
There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated just to this subject. It's the book of James. James 1.22, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You could come to MCBC for 20 years. You could take notes on every sermon ever preached and still never really do it. You only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. You believe you ought to give to the poor? Yes. Do you do it? No. Then you don't really believe it. You believe that people need Christ in their lives? Do you tell them about it? No. And I wonder if you really do believe it. You may write down, be kind to my wife, but if you're not kind to your wife, do you really believe it? You only believe the parts that you do. Talkers, they love with their heart. Feelers love with their soul. Thinkers love with their mind. And then we get to this final one, the doers. Doers love God with their strength. These are the energizer bunnies of the world. These are the get it done people. Psalm 116 says this in verse 16. Oh God, here I am, your servant, your faithful servant. Set me free for your service. It's kind of like saying, I want you to put me in, God. Coach, put me in. I don't want to just watch from the sidelines. I don't want to just study the game. I don't want to just feel the emotion of, of the contest. I want to be in the game. Put me in. Put me to work. The purpose of doers in the world, well, we know this. Because the world needs not just communication and compassion and consideration. The world needs people to contribute. It needs contribution. We need the get-her-done people with initiative and energy and spark. The Bible says this of all of us, Romans 12, verse 1, that you offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. Offer your body. Why? Because that puts everything else in motion. Your heart, your feelings, your thoughts, all of it goes in motion. Any weaknesses? Uh, one obvious one, right? For people who are working, the danger is overwork. Because doers are always doing. Work, 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 work. Not always taking the time to pause and rest and reflect and think whether what they're doing is the right thing. Communication, consideration, compassion. No, no, no. Let's just, let's just get it done. They're always busy. And here's what God says, Psalm 127, verse 2. He says, it's senseless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. Some of you need to write that on a little post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror. There's a beautiful, beautiful, challenging verse. Romans 2, verse 25. I think we have this on the screen, do we? Slow down, it says. Jeremiah 2. Slow down, take a deep breath. What's the hurry? Why wear yourselves out? Just what are you after anyway? But you say, I can't help it. I'm addicted to alien gods and I can't quit. Question. What are the alien gods that you are addicted to? Is it approval, reward, status, praise, adrenaline? You like to rush and work and work fast. Why can't you slow down? What is it that you're really after? You need to know, particularly if you're a doer, why you do what you do. Because when you know the why, God will show you the how. And God says, slow it down.
Some of you need to do less. Maybe in a targeted way, less here so that you can be more fully engaged there. Okay. Well, I think that's enough for today. The Bible says when you become a believer, God makes you new from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17, when anyone becomes a Christian, they're a new person inside. The old has passed away, the new has come. What actually is it that's new? Your past forgiven, a reason for living, hope for the future. But let me tell you what doesn't change. Your personality. If you were a talker before you came to the Lord, you're still a talker. If you were a feeler before you came to Jesus, you are still a feeler. If you were a thinker, still a thinker, a doer, still a doer. God doesn't change the fundamentals of your personality. What he does change is the the direction that it's used in in the world. Remember, your personality came from God. He doesn't want you to be a clone of someone else. He says, I want you to worship and love and serve me in the way that I made you to be. Not only that, I'm going to take everything that is good and true about you, and I will strengthen it, including your personality, not dampen it. I'm going to make you more you than you have ever been before. And together, we'll all celebrate the strength of God at work in us. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Will you say that with me? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you for for making me, me. Forgive me for comparing and and trying to be somebody that I'm not. I, I want to use the personality that you've given me, Lord, to know you and love you and serve you. I want to be an expression of what you made me to be. So today I say to you, Lord Jesus, I want to fulfill the great commandment. I want to love you with my heart and my soul and my mind and my strength according to the way that you've made me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.